Hey, hi, hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another What the Fuck Friday here at the Creepy Cryptid Crypt. I am your host, Black Widow, and I have some updates for you on the Idaho 4 slayings. Um, I did these notes text-to-speak, so I'm going to stumble a little bit because the phone picks up words that I said, but they don't spell them right, so bear with me here. Um, All right, so we have a lot more information than we had last week. So we know that um, Koberg was arrested on December 30th in his home state of Pennsylvania. Uh, We also know that he was a PhD student at Washington State at the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology, and that he went home to visit his family over winter break. Or at least that's his story. Um... So now we also know that his family house was under a lot of surveillance. Um, And because of this surveillance, well, let me back up 10,000 paces, okay? So essentially, a lot of people were criticizing the FBI and the police department, and they were like, what the hell is going on? You guys don't have anybody in custody. What the fuck? But in reality, what the police and the FBI did was super, super smart. So essentially... When they were swabbing the crime scene, they found one set of DNA that didn't belong to anybody who lived in the house or who had access to the house. Um, So they ran it through the criminal database and nothing popped up. And then the FBI was like, hey, we have all these other databases through Ancestry.com and 23andMe. Let's run it through the ancestral databases and see what we get. And so they got a match, and that match was... Brian's dad and so the way that that kind of works is that the it the DNA will kick out like oh gosh come on biology brain what are they they're like the the strand matches in the DNA when you oh god I'm gonna forget all the technical terms so essentially right you swap the DNA you take the DNA you put it in the spinny guy you pipette it out and then you do the gel electrophoresis and then it races through the gel, and then you can kind of see, like, the the lines. This is not going to make any sense to nobody who's done this lab. Um, you can see the lines, and essentially what they had is they had the line matches from Brian's dad, and then they had the DNA match lines from Brian, and essentially what happens is, is they look, like, 99% identical if you're a father-son or a mother-daughter match. Actually, that 90% is not right. There's some kind of matching that happens between those two DNA samples that says, okay, uh, we found dad through the DNA system, but it's 99% likely that the DNA you have is one of his sons. And we know that because men come with an X and a Y chromosome, so sometimes the DNA they leave behind has got like different markers and stuff. Okay, so... They, they've got their match. They know that it's this Brian person. So essentially they had to do the same thing they did with Golden State Killer. And so like I said earlier, there was a lot of surveillance out on Brian's family home. And so they had to do surveillance for a prolonged period of time because they were waiting for him to throw out trash to confirm that the DNA was indeed Brian's DNA. Now, they had to wait a while because he was trying to outsmart the authorities by putting his trash in his neighbor's trash bins. Which, 
is not a thorough way to try to outsmart authorities, but it just, he was being surveilled anyway, so he wasn't going to get away with it anyway. Um, but they finally got his DNA out of his trash bin, bin they matched it, um, and I don't think I said this earlier, but the DNA they found and swabbed at the scene, sorry, that hurt my brain for a second. The DNA that they swabbed at the scene, that was Brian's, was found on the knife sheath, which is like, if you don't know what that is, it's like the part that the knife is supposed to go into, um, if it's not like a flip and fold knife. Um, but they found that sheath was left behind next to one of the victims, and they found his DNA on it. So, um... Like I said earlier, they were able to do all this great police work, all this great groundwork, get the match, confirm it's him, uh, arrest and extradite him. Um, so like I said last week, now he's in Idaho. He has been charged with first degree murder um, and I think burglary. And he's um, been charged for murder for all four of those students. Um, Oh, sorry, I just have to take a minute. So um, there's a lot of other information that has come out since the last time I brought this up to you guys. So um, Friday, after this episode aired, I was so mad. This 109-page to 119-page affidavit was released to the press because it had been filed and therefore it was in the public courts and so people had access to it. And so the court documents that were filed had a lot of good information. And so for those of you who are like, well, why the hell didn't the roommates do anything or say they see anything? No, 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 they saw stuff. We just didn't have that information yet. So let me, let me tell you about it. Um, one of the roommates said that she thought she heard somebody in the house. Um, like she heard somebody say to one of the other roommates, like, oh, someone's here. Um, and so she let it go for a little bit and then she popped her head out but she didn't see anything and she didn't hear any screaming or any commotion or anything. So she like went back in her bedroom. And then um, a little bit later, she opened her door a second time because she heard crying coming from one of the victim's rooms. And um, in the paperwork, it stated that she heard a dude's voice say, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Um, so, you know, if, if you're a roommate and you're not hearing screaming or crying and you're not hearing a lot of commotion, you're thinking, okay, like maybe she's just in a fight with the people she was out with tonight or her partner. Like, I'm going to leave it. I don't want to interrupt because it doesn't sound like I need to be involved at this point. So that's, that's all of that. Um, she would eventually open her door a third time when she heard more crying and then she saw a man in black clothes and a mask, like, walk past her in the house. And then she was fucking terrified, obviously. And so she locked herself in her room. Um, and I know this is the point where a lot of people are going to be critical about her not calling 911. Um, but you, when you experience something like that, you have a flight or fight reaction. And you also have to think that she may think that this individual is still in the house. So if she makes that phone call, she doesn't know what the response time for first responders in her area is. She doesn't know if she makes that phone call, if that person hears her, is going to bust down her door and come after her next. So let's not be too harsh on her. She did the best she could. It's, you know, until you're in that situation, like, I don't think you can fucking speak on it. Um, 
Yeah, so we've got that. We also know that his car was seen going back and forth to and from the crime scene like 12 times that night. And we also know that before driving back to Pennsylvania with his dad, exactly five days after the murder, he got new license plates. And then we also know that he and his dad were pulled over on the drive back home to Pennsylvania, and we have the body cam um, interaction from that. So we know that car was definitely involved, and he was like, I'm going to change the plates so they won't know. I just... And... So we have all that. Uh, we also found out that he had applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall because he wanted to assist enforcement agencies in gathering and analyzing technological data. And this piece is interesting because his phone had been pinging in the area near the house and it was pinging consistently before the murders and after the murders. He turned it off during the murders, which is suspicious in itself. Like, you're pinging in the area, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to turn my phone off. And then, oh, turns back on in the early morning, and then it's still pinging in the area. Like, just... Which is, it's interesting to me, because he's been to school for all these things, so... Just like... Wouldn't you have gotten a burner phone or just left your phone somewhere else and kept it turned off? Or, I don't know, giving your phone to somebody else so it pings somebody else? Like, just... But the good news is, is that the law enforcement agency was able to get that information and has access to that information, so we also have that in our stack of evidence against him. Um... Another interesting tidbit is that um, one of his older sisters uh, was in, it's, it's listed in a lot of the articles as a low-budget slasher film, but it might be pretty decent, I don't know. But um, his older sister acted in it, and she was murdered by like a vicious serial killer in the movie. It was like one of those campy, bunch of counselors, serial killer running around movie type thing. Um... So that was another interesting little tidbit that came out of that. I do uh, I do want to note that it's not uncommon for people who are studying true crime or interested in true crime to ask and have the conversations that he had in school or with peers that he had outside of school. So I just want us to keep that in mind because a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork saying excuse me, oh, he told me this, oh, he told me that, oh, we talked about this, oh, he talked about that. Um, so I just want us to bear that in mind. Some of his high school friends came out of the woodwork and said that he was bullied a lot, and another friend from high school said that um, she knows no longer friends with him because he started using heroin. Um, so there's a lot of stuff coming out right now. We also have to remember that reporters are working with information they have and they're trying to get it from anywhere and everywhere. And if the information is wrong, they're not going to correct their information. So anything that I'm telling you right now that I have found out in the world may be corrected down the road. 
I will correct it because I know they're not going to, and I will correct it as we get updated on this. Um, I do want to say that he appeared in court this morning. I'm recording right now, Thursday. Um, and he waived his right to a speedy probable cause trial. And um, if you don't know what that is, so you have like 14 days, depending on the state I think it is. So in Idaho, you have 14 days after you are arrested to have your probable cause hearing. Uh, he has waived that right and he is being held without bail. So currently this morning, this morning was him waiving his right to that. It didn't seem like a plea was entered yet. Um, and so now they have scheduled the probable cause trial to be June 26th at 9 a.m. and they're scheduling for about a week. So we're not gonna have a whole lot more official information that's gonna come from anybody in the court system, especially because there's a court order right now that prohibits the prosecution and the defense from commenting beyond referencing public records of the case. So any new information I bring you out of this is gonna come from any public records I can find or from any news that's being reported out on it. Um, yeah, sorry, hang on. <clears throat> so like I said, there's a lot of information floating around, but uh, I want to remind us all, while we are intrigued with finding out the truth of what happened to these people, um, we have to remember that four families lost people very, very close to them. Um, and if you are one of those people who are coming out of the woodwork to speak about this as somebody who knows something, um, just be mindful um, be honest, and if you know something, just go to the authorities. You don't need to go to the news outlets. Like, it's just, you know, these families don't need to see this in the news all the time. They're dealing with enough right now. So if you know something, go to the proper authorities. Keep your fucking shit out of the news. I don't want to hear anything from you in the news. The only thing I want to see about this in the news comes from the courts. So... That's, that's that. For the quick second portion of What the Fuck Friday, um, and it's going to be really quick and really general for um, the ladies who listen to my podcast, I just want to put this, this stuff out there for you right now. Um, I guess in men as well, I just, I don't know. If you're a dude, just maybe stop listening at this point because that's not directed towards you. And we'll wait until they leave. Okay, ladies, I want you all to be very careful. Right now, there is a lot of reports in upticks um, of violence against us, especially in the dating world. I've seen a lot of stuff on women who are <coughs> going on dates through Bumble or Tinder or Facebook or whatever the hell is still out there. Um, and... There was one report, and again, this is super general. I've done very little research on this because there's been so much right now. There was one report where a man held his date for five days and beat her and abused her. Um, I'm, I'm part of this group on Facebook, and there's been a couple other incidences where women are all dating the same 
guy and they confront him and then he beats up whoever is confronting him. So just be safe and be smart. Sometimes it's better where if you are in a situation and you know your partner's cheating on you but you don't live with that partner, it's just to break up with that partner, no longer see that partner, you don't need to confront them, especially if you think that it could be dangerous or if you feel uncomfortable, just be done. Leave. Cut them out entirely. Um, I have also seen some reports about uh, an increase in family annihilators, and I'm going to stop for a hot second so I can get water, and then I'll explain what that is. So hang on. Okay, I'm back. Um, so there has been an uptick in what is called family annihilators, and these are people who kill their whole families and then kill themselves. So I've seen three in the past week back east, um, fathers who found out their wives were leaving them or, you know, their wives wanted more from them or the mistress wanted the husband to leave them. Um, so they take out everybody in the family and then in some cases they take out themselves. So just if you're, just be careful, just be safe, think everything through. If you're in a spot where you're needing to divorce or separate from your partner, um, there are advocates in your state that can help you work through this so you don't end up in these situations. Um, it's really, it's really, really sad and it's super unfortunate and it really pisses me off that there's been an uptick in these cases more recently. Um, you know, that's definitely not how people should respond to things or react or behave, but um, yeah. So be safe, be smart, follow your gut, use your brain, just err on the side of caution if you're going through any kind of separation. Um, and then, yeah, look for your resources. If you don't know what your resources are and you can't Google them, um, DM me and I will do it on your behalf um, or I will find somebody who can help you on your behalf. So that's all I have for our What the Fuck Friday. There's lots going on. Uh, I think we're headed into, what day is it? Yeah, headed into a holiday weekend. So be safe, have fun. If you're in California, stay dry, get your batteries, your candles, your food. Don't wash away. Okay, that's all I've got for you guys until you hear my voice again on Wednesday. Okay, goodbye!